You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1225 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Thursday afternoon. And thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Please subscribe to the show. Make us your first listen each and every day. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, where I am happy to report that as of earlier today on Thursday, we have now reached the uh, benchmark that I've been asking for for a while. 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. Thank you for making that happen. If you are a watcher on YouTube or a subscriber there, thank you for your patronage. Also, Please do not forget to subscribe on the audio channels as well and help us to support and grow the podcast across the board. This is our fifth podcast of the week. I've been trying to stay busy on this feed and really this is sort of a bonus episode. It's going to be a little bit shorter than usual, only one break in the middle, and uh, it really is a true bonus podcast. But I had some time in my, on my lunch hour actually on this Thursday and wanted to answer some questions that I got coming in in advance of game three because there is that, that two-day break in between games. If you missed it this week already, we've done four podcasts already. We had Tower Jones with us. We had a crossover with, with Wes Goldberg on Wednesday, as well as the Game Recap Podcast from game one and game two. So those are still very much in the feeds. Subscribe, obviously, subscriptions are great and listens and clicks and all that stuff. And check out those podcasts. But uh, on today's show, basically, it's going to be me and your questions for uh, at least a, little, a few minutes here. And we'll start off the podcast with this. So first comes from Alex who asks, what do you think of the Hawks being this big of an underdog after not even having a home game yet? This is kind of the theme of the podcast today, honestly, but I think the Hawks have a better chance than the market does at this point in time. As of our recording today on Thursday afternoon, our friends at Bet Online, who sponsored this podcast and they have all the odds that you're looking for, have the heat at minus 1800 to win the series. The Hawks at plus 1000 to win the series. If you were to look at a percentage chance, if you're not a huge better, uh, basically that the implied odds of that is something like 94, 95% for Miami. And that's obviously a very high number out of 100. This is not controversial to anyone, but I think even the biggest Hawks homer couldn't say the Hawks are favored in this series right now. I think the, the Heat clearly should be favored with this 2-0 lead in the series. But with that said, there is some value in my mind on that number alone to sort of answer the question about, that Alex is asking about this sort of how big the underdog status is right now for the Hawks. doesn't mean the Hawks are going to win the series, but I think if you just kind of do the math on this, they're going to win it more often than, than this number indicates in my mind. I think the Hawks have some ups, upside we'll talk about in a second, but basically the Hawks would have to win this series, you know, 9% of the time for this to be valuable, something like that, 10% of the time. And I think they'd probably do win at least that much, probably more than that. So I think if you're looking at the uh, sort of long-term of this, not not to go crazy, but uh, I think this is probably a little bit of overstatement towards Miami at this point in time in the market to answer the question from Alex. This is kind of related. The next question that I'm going to answer here from Darius, who asks, uh, your co-host from the Heat, act like the series is over. That was disappointing in uh, Darius's words to hear. And he asked me, uh, do you agree? Uh, I couldn't quite tell. So basically, the short answer is no. I don't agree with that. I think the series is not over at this point in time. Uh, Wes Goldberg is the person in question here. I talked to Wes, uh, sort of a crossover episode on Wednesday. He was more of the host of that show, and I was kind of the guest along the way. But he's a very smart guy who covers the Heat very well, covered the Warriors before that previously at, a, at the highest level as a beat writer, et cetera. I don't blame him for looking ahead a little bit because under normal circumstances, the number one seed that wins the first two games by 34 points combined is usually a massive favorite in the series. So I, I kind of get that on his standpoint. 
and I, I did make sure to say this on Wednesday's show, and I, I did that on purpose, but also because, because I believe it. Um, he sort of implied that it was over, or at least asked me if it was over, and I said immediately the Hawks are not dead in the series, and I believe that. They're not dead in the series. I couldn't pick the Hawks straight up to win the series now, um, especially with no odds um, down to nothing, because just the math of it, you have to win four out of five games, and at least one of those games has to be on the road uh, that you have to steal here because the Hawks have maximum three home games in this series. But in my mind, I want to be very clear. The Hawks absolutely can still win this series. We have seen crazy things happen with this team. We know the upside of this team as well, Trey Young and the top three offense that they have. We saw last year they dug out of some holes along the way in the playoffs and beat some quality opponents, making their run that they made. Uh, part of that is, again, the Hawks have more talent and more experience and really a better number one option than most eight seeds do. If you just look at history and say, all right, the number one seed is up to nothing in dominant fashion by 34 points combined. Obviously, most eight seeds are not going to be even capable, much less will they actually do it a coming back. But this is the same Hawks core. Obviously, the Capella thing lingers. We'll come back to that later on in the podcast. But the same or at least a similar Hawks team that came uh, came back in some series last year, came back in some games last year to win big games, upset Philadelphia, et cetera. So I think this is a better than average number eight seed for the Hawks. If anything, I think mine might even be a, a worse than average number one seed. That's not to say that they're not a good team because they are. But um, certainly a situation where this is not your traditional 2-0 lead for a number one versus a number eight. The Hawks have more talent than that and more ability to pull an upset if they were to continue on in this fashion. So hopefully answers the question. Uh, I'm not going to pile on West, but certainly uh, he certainly thinks the Hawks are going to win the series. I don't blame him for that, but uh, the series is not over in my mind to answer the question that was asked and also uh, asked on YouTube and other places in the last day or so. Okay, before we get to back to the last portion of this podcast with some more mailback questions and uh, my final thoughts in advance of game three, a word from our sponsors on the podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Baseball is in full swing. Of course, the NBA's postseason is actually here as well with a jam-packed slate of games almost every night for the next couple of months. That includes the Hawks coming up on Friday, of course. And with that in mind, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all of your sports betting needs and sports information this year from all the latest contests, con- futures, player props, odds across the board, exotics, and much more. BetOnline remains the best spot for all the latest developments in sports, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. It's not just basketball or baseball either. They have future bets. They have live betting in your favorite casino games. Football is always on the horizon if you want to look way into the future about the NFL and college football. But also beyond that, they have other sports that includes golf and esports, tennis, horse racing, auto racing, hockey, MMA, boxing, soccer, Cricket, even entertainment bets, and much more. And really, there are always something to bet on at betonline.net. Head to the website right now or use a mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action across the sports world today. Bet online where the game starts. Today's show is also brought to you by Built Bar. And as I've been saying for a while now, I had a goal this year to eat better. And really, the biggest success along the way is the fact that I've been eating Built Bars and really having a lot of success overall as a result of it. In some ways, it's actually a lot easier for me because I actually enjoy eating Built Bar. From the protein-infused puff bars that are fantastic, all the other fan favorites from Built Bar, each and every bar has 100% real chocolate. makes a huge difference, and they taste absolutely fantastic. On top of the taste, Built Bar is really healthy for you. They have low calorie counts. They have high protein. You can easily replace your candy bars with Built Bars this season, both in taste and to improve your nutrition overall. And Built.com has all the answers that you're looking for at this point in time. You won't believe what you see. In fact, most Built Bars have only 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 70 grams of protein with that very low calorie count that I mentioned earlier. Built Bar also has longtime flavors like coconut almond, lemon almond cheesecake, cookies and cream, and more. And new flavors coming all the time, plus each and every one 
is really delicious. I've tried them all at this stage, and they're really awesome across the board. Even if you have your personal favorites, you cannot go wrong with any kind of Built Bar. That's why I check out Built Bars. So go to Built.com right now. Use promo code LOCK15 when you get there. If you do that, 15% off on your order with Built Bar. That's promo code LOCK15, 15% off at Built.com. All right, and the next question that I want to answer on this podcast comes from Tom, who asks, what do you think is the biggest swing factor for Game 3 in particular? And a couple questions that I got were kind of like this, and a couple were about Capella, so I'm actually going to combine them a little bit, because Capella's status as I'm recording this is still up in the air. I'm recording this pre-injury report. My apologies, it's my best window to record. Um, I don't think he's going to play on Friday, if I had to guess. Travis Slank, as a reminder, earlier this week on the radio said that the Hawks were going to reevaluate Capella on Friday. Reevaluation does not mean return. And basically, it would surprise me if they reevaluated him on the same day as Game 3 and he was able to actually play in Game 3. He's not been ruled out. I want to stress that as I'm recording this. But if I had to guess, he's not going to play on Friday. Um, and we'll see how he's even listed on the injury report as of Thursday evening. I'll, I'll tweet that out when I have that information on Thursday. But I think his absence in this series has actually been under-discussed so far, particularly nationally. Even with Collins, sorry, I should say, especially with Collins in the limited state that he's in, he's been playing, uh, he's been a positive factor in the series, but Collins, we can all agree, is not his normal self right now. And with that in mind, Capella would have been their second best player in the series. I think Capella's better second best player for most of the season, behind Trey, of course. And uh, if nothing else, he is very clearly the centerpiece of this defense. He's also their primary role threat uh, in terms of like, as a pick and roll guy, obviously Collins is great at doing that as well, but Capella puts pressure on the rim. Uh, free throw shooting, not always a strength. Finishing around the rim, not always a strength right now as in terms of non-dunks. But he's a positive offensive player as well in my mind because of the pressure he puts on at times. So his absence makes life harder for the Hawks on both ends of the floor. And I think if he was more famous or whatever, it might get more attention. But, you know, one team is healthy in the series, and it's not the Hawks. Miami has their, has their core guys, and the Hawks are missing conservatively – We'll say, even if you are not a big a big Capella fan, a uh, top three or four player on the Hawks roster, I would say they're number two player right now in, with the state that Collins is in. So that's a huge, huge absence that cannot be overstated. So with that said, I think the Hawks' defense was actually pretty reasonable, as I talked about after game two. They played pretty well in that game, at least all things considered, all, all the factors in play. The problem being that Butler went crazy, and that is obviously something they can't overcome because Butler was just really, really awesome in game two. But for me, the biggest swing to answer the question more specifically in my mind for game three is probably how Trey Young plays. That's kind of a broad um, swing piece, but the path for the Hawks to win this series as an underdog without home court against number one seed kind of always had to include Trey being the best player on the floor in the series. And through two games, he has not been the best player on the floor. I thought he was better in certain ways in game two, but still had a ton of turnovers, some bad decision-making, et cetera. Um, He was more comfortable as a scorer in that game for sure. But I think objectively, no one would say he's been the best player through two games in the series. I think the Hawks need to have Trey be his best self or something close to that for the majority of the rest of the series to have a chance to win and come back to win four out of the next five games. That applies to game three as well in particular to answer the question. But a step deeper than that, if you want to go just go beyond, beyond Trey, my answer would be that the Hawks have to take care of the ball in game three and keep Miami out of fast break opportunities on the other end of the floor as a result. If you look at the numbers, I talked about this a lot in game two, but um, even the odd test, the Heat are just not that good in half-court offense this year. They've been better in the series, but they've been middling. They're not terrible, but they're like middle of the pack in half-court offense for the season. And the Hawks have been at least frisky defensively. But Miami is excellent in transition. And they have been all year long. Um, There are some advantages, especially Miami might have without Capella in scoring in the half court. But 
part of the Hawks having the number two offense in the league, and again, number two in the league in offense this year, was that the Hawks basically never turned the ball over. They were number one in the NBA in turnover rate this year. Also turnovers for game, live ball turnovers, they were top five, et cetera. Uh, but through two games, they have struggled to take care of the ball, which cannot happen. The Hawks are not the same team if they turn the ball over a lot. And if they can hold that down to like 10 or 12 or even less than that turnovers in game three, that, that means getting more shots up. And that is usually a positive sign, sort of boost your efficiency overall. So the runner up to all this might just be that Jimmy Butler can't be making jump shots because if he makes jump shots, as we saw in game two, it's kind of lights out. The Hawks don't have the greatest personnel to defend Jimmy Butler at this point in time. And uh, on the positive side, Jimmy's not been a great shooter this year, but he's been making shots through two games and that makes uh, Miami a lot more difficult to guard. So I would say, you know, broadly speaking, Trey's got to be better. Also the Hawks just cannot, cannot, cannot afford to turn the ball over like they did in game two. Okay. Uh, last sort of broad question here that I'll answer comes from Jacob who just says, can the Hawks still win the series? And if so, do they have to win game three to actually win this series? Um, the short answer I would say is yes. A Hawks, I believe the Hawks can win the series if they put together their A game, particularly on offense, and put some pressure back on Miami to keep up with that because the Hawks are the better offensive team in this series. That's, as funny as that might sound after watching these two games, the Hawks are pretty clearly better on offense than the Heat are. Now, defensively, the Heat are miles ahead of the Hawks. That, that's just the reality of the situation. Miami's awesome defensively particularly in the playoffs and the Hawks are better in the playoffs than they've been in the regular season, but still not great defensively, especially Acapella. Take him off the, off the team. I can't imagine how, how bad the Hawks would have been with this season. So our friends at Ben Online, just for some context, make the Hawks right now as of Thursday midday, a one and a half point underdog in game three at home. That is close to a coin flip. And obviously the series changes tone quite a bit. If the Hawks were to win on Friday, I don't want to make too much out of it because I'm not someone, if you listen to this podcast all the time, you probably know this, but I'm not someone that talks about must wins or like puts too much pressure on one game individually. But the reality is if the Hawks go down 0-3, uh, they are not drawing dead, but they certainly have uh, the uphill climb of all, of all uphill climbs down 3-0, having to win four games in a row. Uh, that would be extremely difficult. If they were to win game three, it's a new series because as many pointed out, and I, I'm not sure I've said this even that, as plainly as this on the podcast so far, but the road team has not won a game in this series. Now, the Hawks don't have home court, so they have to actually win a road game in this series to win it, plus all their home games uh, probably is the fa is the uh, sort of traditional route that they would probably have to take in this series. But um, I do think that some of the sort of the door slamming on this series has been a little bit overdone, in part because the Hawks have not been at home yet. And famously, they are 20-3 and three in their last 23 games in their home building. The crowd will be big on Friday night, I am sure of it. So I think it's appropriate to say that, like, Yes, the Hawks are a small underdog in the betting market on, on Friday night. I think the Hawks, I'd probably have the Hawks as a small favorite if it was me. Um, is sort of evaluating that game. Not a huge favorite by any means because Miami is still a really good team. But the Hawks playing as well as they have at home recently, um, the entire series can swing in terms of perception and just even in the reality on game three. So do they have to win game three to win the series? I mean, I'm not someone that ever says things like in extremely plain terms. Like I, I won't ever say this is like the series is over if they lose. But Again, undeniably, the Hawks go from having a real puncher's chance in the series if they win, uh, and get, if they win in game three and kind of level it out a little bit, get some confidence. If they lose game three, I have a hard time believing the Hawks are going to win the series. Uh, I will never I will never say ever that the series is over after three games. But uh, if it's 3-0, then that, obviously that, 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 that challenge sort of speaks for itself. So it's a big game. It's obviously as close to a must win as you can get 
this season. Uh, I kind of I've scoffed and kind of poked fun at it a little bit during the regular season in particular of like must-win scenarios, stuff like that. There's almost never a must-win in the regular season, almost never, especially once it's like game 82 and you have to win to get in the playoffs. But in a playoff series, when you lose the first two games and come home for game three, it's a virtual must-win. That's for sure. So we'll have full coverage of that game. I think the Hawks uh, should, should probably feel pretty good about that game, to be honest with you, in their home building. Uh, they've been playing so well there and, uh, you know, not to make too much of it, but if, if Trey's good, they can beat anybody on any night, and we'll see how they fare in that spot. That'll do it for today's podcast. I know a little bit shorter than usual. My apologies for that, but I want to give you a little bit of extra content. This is the fifth show and I think four days at this point in time, and our sixth show of the week will be after the game on Friday, so please, please, please subscribe to the podcast. I'll be back as soon as I can after the game on Friday. It's a home game, so I'll be in the building for that one, but we'll have uh, full coverage after the game as always. Tell a friend about the show. Uh, that really helps us to grow the podcast as well, especially in the middle of the playoffs when more people are dialed in than usual. Follow us on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. And we'll see you after the game on Friday.